Are you a fan of young adult novels? Have you ever wondered the stories behind the people who wrote your favorite young adult novels? Then join author Eric J. Brown and Alyssa Lube of Netflix's The Circle every other Tuesday on YAOK. Available on all podcasting apps. Woo! to entertain you we'll sing your songs hey there are you obsessed with things that happened before your time well if you are join me the host of before my time gelsey laurie to discuss the wonders of the yesteryears that we weren't around to enjoy ourselves you can find us on all podcast platforms soon you'll be swaying so come on sing along Hey everybody, I'm Chris Fafalius and I'm the producer of Chris Makes a Podcast and the host of the One Hit Thunder Podcast. And I'm Matt Kelly, host of Horror Movie Night and the producer slash the head of content for the Geekscape Podcasting Network. Between the two of us, we have, believe it or not, 25 years of podcasting experience and we want to help you start your own podcast. We know podcasting and we want to share that knowledge with you. So whether you're new to podcasting or you want some feedback on your currently active podcast, we want to help. Or perhaps you're just overwhelmed with all of the editing work. Well, we can help you with that also. You can contact us at info at weknowpodcasting.com for more information. We're excited to help your podcasting dreams become a reality. another episode of horror movie night this week we're talking about one of my picks which is 1988's bad dreams not to be confused with nightmare on elm street three (laughs) really any of them but yes definitely not three the movie starts first thing that pops up on the screen i love movies like this where it's made with like a, a small production company. The first title says No Frills Production. <laughs> yeah, dude. Actually, that's my first note as well. I was like, ooh, setting a tone. Let's talk about, like, we're going to dive into this movie, but I just want to l- read this off because I wrote this down and the more I looked at it, the more insane it was. But you've got to love a movie which features a cast of Rockula, the judge from Ghostbusters 2, the gator expert from Alligator 2, the punk girl from Dream Warriors, and Dottie from Pee Wee Herman. That's what we got in this movie. It is an insane all-star cast of horror movie night classics. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'll give it that. And that's about all I'll give it. I, I, I actually came, I showed up today to figure out what this movie was about because I don't, I don't understand it. Oh, this seems like such a Brian movie. It's both a ripoff of a Freddy Cougar movie, but it's involved with, with cults. Yeah, it's like. But I, is it? 
because that's the that's the end i I didn't understand is it a cult freddy krueger thing or was she just drugged out by this evil it doesn't matter you're seeing a cult freddy krueger character it doesn't matter that it was just drug-induced psychosis well one of the things that's interesting that i read was actually the original ending the judge from ghostbusters 2 was supposed to actually commit suicide realizing that he was caught and then someone's like, ah, we should probably change that up and have him get pushed. So, But then how do you, like, walk that back? You're like, oh, um, yeah, we pushed that guy over the side, but it's because he was going to shoot us. Yeah. You know, like, it's still manslaughter. You're yeah. fucked. And, and if we're going to memento this, the cops just shrugging and walking away was... <laughs> yeah that cop gave no shit about anything so this is also the uh, directorial debut of a director whose name i didn't write down but he did direct two other noteworthy movies after this he did the craft wow and then immediately followed it up with dick i think i made that a patreon pick once this is literally literally such a c-level star-studded cast this is a cast that only we would recognize. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, well, the big, exactly. The big thing I read was that Rockula specifically improvised a lot of his dialogue. God, he sucked. Mostly because he was like, they said like he just felt like this movie was so nihilistic that he's like, yeah, I got a comedy background. Do you mind if I just like make jokes? And they're like, yeah, go for it, whatever. Like, I don't think any, this was definitely a first time director because it was directed with the confidence of a first time director. Like, <laughs> like it's like, ah, sure, go for it, whatever. Yeah, I, I got a comedy background. You might know of the uh, the comedic classic, uh, Rockula. <laughs> no, this was pre-Rockula. Someone watched this and said, I need to get that guy. If anything, he was like, I did Summer School. Summer School was his movie before this, which I will still always put on a Patreon option, and it will never win, but I'll keep trying. Uh, One day, you know, once once you get through all the stuff that people actually give a shit about us watching. So the other thing that I feel really bad about, and I'm going to read my note and then explain why I felt bad about the note. I wrote, it helps that Richard Lynch already looks like a burn victim. Um, and then I realized, oh, he is actually a burn victim. Um, he oh. set himself on fire in the 60s when he was on drugs and ended up burning 85% of his skin Wait, off. I thought that was Richard just... Pryor. No, this was this guy also. Let's let's walk past this. I don't really want to have any more conversation about his burns because this is really treading in a territory that we may regret. So, no, very good. Um, very good call. I have, um, so... I have a note here. Uh, Me Magazine. Ever heard of it? I was in a coma. <laughs> yeah. Well, so the so speaking of the coma, there is the scene where she comes out of the coma, and the first question from the reporters is, "Is that some kind of record for a coma?" Which is like definitely the pressing information that we want to know. And how is she able to walk and talk and chew? Like all of her muscles should have been atrophied, right? For ten years. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I know like, I know this kid whose uncle didn't get out of bed for like 10 years. And then once he got tickets to a chocolate factory, he could dance. And he, <laughs> he, was, he was pretty You mobile. know, I saw it coming. I did too, but I was like, good. let me let him finish because this is good. At the beginning <laughs> of the movie, we see the cult sequence where the explosion happens. The, the original death cult. And the one guy I had to look because I thought for sure it was the star of Basket Case as one of the cult members, <laughs> but it's not. It's just some dude. Yeah, he does. I, I actually remember. I didn't write that down, but I do remember that character's face. Yeah, because he had like the big fro and the just 
a very forgettable face, which is and, the guy and from Basket Case. probably incredibly bad guitar playing skills, too. <laughs> <laughs> the thing with this movie, and, and it was like, I... I had a hard time deciding if I wanted to pick this or Wait, not wanted to pick this. You need to tell us, how, how did you find this movie? Because this uh, was a first watch for me, obviously. Scream yeah, Factory. Scream Factory. This was okay. one of those ones where I was scrolling through a Scream Factory sale, and they were selling this and Visiting Hours on a double feature Blu-ray for like $10 on one of their sales. And I was like, I've heard good things about Visiting Hours, but that Bad Dreams poster looks dope. So I'll just spend the $10. And I watched it, and I definitely thought that Bad Dreams was the better of the two when I watched it. But, like, I could never remember why. Like, it's one of those movies where I watch it, I'm like, yeah, it was all right. But then, like, gun to my head, I couldn't tell you what the movie was about, like, no more than 24 (laughs) hours after the fact. This was just in that same vein. Like, I... I think the problem is that I, I read that there's a scene that was heavily edited when they made the movie. And I get the vibe that a lot of the kills suffered the same fate. Um, yeah. toward, towards the end, there's the car kill where he like runs over the dude multiple yeah. times. And that was like, that apparently got them an X rating originally and they had to trim it down. So you're seeing the trimmed down version of that car sequence, which is still pretty brutal. And it makes me think that if they're going to make just the car scene that brutal, probably a lot of the other kills went a little further. Because this is like 1988. This is prime time for MPAA really cracking down on horror films and making them trim out the gore. Like, I think Friday the 13th Part 7 came out. That would have been 7, I yeah. think, in 88. 7 right? was the one that got, like, almost like every kill is trimmed out of it at this point. There's something that's so weird about how self-harm makes me squirm, but murder doesn't. Yeah. Like, I feel like if somebody would have taken a scalpel and stabbed it in Racula and, like, dragged it down his <laughs> stomach, it wouldn't have bothered me as much as him doing it to himself. Oh, my God. When he just slams the knife, his hand into that knife, it, it like, yeah. it's like, oh! <laughs> like, yeah. like, when I, yeah. I don't know why. I, I had but if a guy in a mask reaction. did it, I'd be like, oh, cool. That's a good dude. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's definitely weird. That scene comes right after uh, they started playing Slayer in the hospital because it was rain and blood, baby. Uh, Dude, gore shower. <laughs> the, I, I actually wrote all in caps, gore shower, and then I wrote a second one that was said, gore shower is for everybody because it's not just the one person that gets one; it's literally everyone. And I don't, I mean, I don't know how far the blood in one body would go for a gore shower, but I don't think that you could get like a dozen people with one person's body but um awesome absolutely like you know how you were like after watching this movie the first time you said that i couldn't have told you what happened during it i could i'll I'll, the only thing that matters is the fucking gore shower scene it's because it is so cool well and i like that they so I, i wrote down that there's actually continuity in the movie which is like most films, you have the gore shower, and then it just jump cuts as if, like, it never happened. Oh, yeah. But throughout the rest of the movie, there are people cleaning up blood everywhere. Yeah, it, reminds, like... it reminds me of the first episode of Todd in the Book of Pure Evil when uh, Jason uses, like, wow, this is the most blood I've seen since the time that guy bled out of his ass. Yeah. <laughs> All right, hand me the blood mop. <laughs> you know, I've realized a couple of things, though, about about some of the characters in this movie. Is the Terran... From the Dream Warriors, uh, the main character is named what's her name, Jill, whatever. Yeah. It is. But I mean, she's beautiful, but but uh, she's like not. 
I feel real bad for her because she did Dream Warriors and was that 80... 87. This was seven, the year following year she played yeah. almost I, I exactly like character. This had to have been a paycheck for her because she was just like, I mean, I already did this once, so I just did it again. <laughs> yeah. you know? But then the bigger issue is that Bruce Abbott, the, he's Dr. Kane in Reanimator and Reanimator 2, he's just a really bad actor. Yeah, no, like, he's really, not great. Really, really bad. And that's, like, I feel like most of these these people were probably hired just for the notability of them. Like, don't get me wrong, I love Dottie. I will always love Dottie. But I like Dottie as a voice actress who doesn't have... <laughs> she doesn't really know how to, like, emote what she's saying most of the time. She well, just, it works okay in this movie, strictly this movie, because she's a depressed character. So, I mean, she's also only in three scenes so it, it works okay in this movie but i won't disagree that she kind of sucks in everything else i've seen her in i'm not going to pick this as my um double feature but as i was watching this movie all i could think about was um was that nick cage movie where he's he's a punk and she's um oh valley girl valley girl yeah um dotty's in that as well and she has the craziest most inappropriately fitting pair of jeans in the front that I actually sent Matt a screenshot watching it. I was like, dude, this looks so uncomfortable for her. And Ralph, the guy, Rockula, wants to be Nick Cage so fucking bad in this movie. It's <laughs> unreal because he watched whatever that Nick Cage movie is where he, you know, everybody has that that The ABCD thing? Yes. Vampire's exactly. Kiss. Future, Vampire's future Kiss. Exactly. Future future horror movie night pick for oh, sure. Vampire's oh, Kiss. Oh, no, please no. <laughs> I mean, I know it's happening. I've known it's happening since you and I met. I, I've known that I was yeah. eventually going to have to suffer through that one again. But yeah, like, this movie is kind of like a weird dovetail with that with Valley Girl. I mean, they're both terrible films, but this one I would definitely watch more because Gore Showers. Well, yeah. I mean, that's the problem with kind of the movie as a whole is it? it's just a mixtape. It's just a mixtape of better movies. So, like, mm -hmm. it's all kind of forgettable. The one girl, she she axes herself uh, with poison by the bed. You know, thank God uh, what, she had so clearly a labeled... a bottle of poison? Yeah, just clearly labeled yeah. poison beside the bed. And, uh, so how did she find, quote-unquote, a bottle of poison? And how did another guy find a bottle of booze? Yeah. It's a mental hospital. <laughs> yeah, this is the worst mental hospital I've ever seen. I want to go back to the car kill for a second. Because Bruce Abbott delivers a line where he calls the judge from Ghostbusters 2 Dr. Addictive Buttface, which, uh, you know, ooh, burn. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, like dude. I said, he sucks. He's a real bad actor. But then he does this really funny thing in, like, the scene when they're figuring out that the doctor actually has been, try has been like, dosing everybody with all these fucked up drugs so that he could, like, um have some sort of breakthrough which doesn't make any sense because like that they were having breakthroughs have. already <laughs> like, yeah the bigger structure story structure issue here is what's his end game yeah. you know like he he has this thesis that these people are fucking crazy and that th something or other doesn't help them i don't quite remember what the the, the thought process was so he's gonna have to, to continue to be a doctor he's gonna have to keep dosing people forever He's going to get found out. This is the stupidest plan. But the best part about that scene is Bruce Abbott is like they're going through all these drugs that the guys um, that the doctor has been giving the, the patients. And he finds this bottle of liquid THC and he just like pockets it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's always been an issue that I've had when watching movies is like I'm pretty good at shutting off my connection to reality 
But like the biggest issue that I have is when you're watching someone, you're like, yeah, but you don't have an exit strategy. Like, well, and, like, and they kind of had they had an easier one that made more sense because Rockula made reference to it to like the nurse. And what would have made more sense is like I'm giving these people this medication to make them crazy so they continue to, to decompensate so I can continue to bill their insurance and keep them here longer. That <laughs> okay, that, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But they chose not then, to go that route. But also like. <laughs> Health insurance wasn't really in the cultural consciousness uh, in 1988. But, you know? but Rockula did make a comment where she was like, you're outburst. We're going to bill for that. And they're like, yeah, well, you guys bill for everything. Aren't you going to bill for that guy's body bag? How do you remember this from Rockula? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, not from the movie. His character said that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember anything from Rockula. I don't either. So here's an interesting little factoid. So according to the commentary track, on the Blu-ray, the director, whose name was Andrew Fleming, fought a losing battle. He wanted the closing credit song to be Burning House of Love by the punk group X, but the studio executive fought against him and insisted that Guns N' Roses was going to be the next big thing <sighs> and that and they should hit. include Sweet Child of Mine instead. I mean, in their defense, they were. There was a huge hit. Yeah, but, yeah, but it doesn't make any sense so, in this. So it gets even more insane. Not only did they get to put Sweet Child of Mine in the movie, but the director of this movie was set to direct the music video for Sweet Child of Mine, and it would include clips from the movie. But then the the band decided not to do it. The band was into it, but Axl Rose's girlfriend, who the song was written about, was like, I don't really like the idea of the song about me just being a series of clips of people dying from a horror movie. Yeah, that is actually pretty prescient of her. Smart girl. But yeah, it does not fit in to the song, like to the movie in at all. It, it makes no sense when it shows up and it doesn't make sense when it stays. So, like, <laughs> but you know what? What a guitar riff. Are you a fan of young adult novels? Have you ever wondered the stories behind the people who wrote your favorite young adult novels? Then join author Eric J. Brown and Alyssa Lube of Netflix's The Circle every other Tuesday on YAOK. Available on all podcasting apps. Woo! We're here to Hey there, are you obsessed with things that happened before your time? Well, if you are, join me, the host of Before My Time, Gelsey Laurie, to discuss the wonders of the yesteryears that we weren't around to enjoy ourselves. You can find us on all podcast platforms. Soon you'll be swaying, so come on, sing along. Do we have any other thoughts about bad dreams? No. Well, Matt, it's your turn to, to oh, go first oh. for double features because you picked it. And I will, but I want to set an apology out there to uh, all of the listeners because if you were listening to this and haven't seen the movie, I don't think you understood a goddamn thing we said for the last 20 minutes because <laughs> we didn't really even have good means of trying to explain what this movie's about. But if you can find a copy of it, is it streaming anywhere, Scott? Yeah, but it's like $4 on Amazon Prime. Okay. Not, not no. worth, really it's worth not worth it. the $4. Would, but if it honestly, pops up on Shutter, give it a watch if it ever shows up. But well, What I was going to say is that if you can crowdfund the $10, pay for it, at Scream Factory, 
rip a copy, and then just distribute it to your friends. There you go. A dollar so a person it'll, it'll, to 10 exactly. friends. Make yes. your money back. But for my double feature, you know, we mentioned Bruce Abbott. I've also been just rewatching Reanimator as I go to bed, listen to the commentary track. So they kind of just blend in my mind. So my double feature is going to be Reanimator. Nice choice. Much better choice than Bad Dreams. Scott, you can go. No, I want you to go because I know that you don't have anything. I would do, I would pair this with Session 9 because it takes place in a mental hospital. <laughs> so have you watched Session 9 in the last decade? Yeah, it's not very good. It does not hold up. I was really disappointed. I watched it probably. I actually probably watched ten it. years ago. Yeah, then it wasn't you because I, I I swore it was someone related to this podcast that that was like saying how good of a movie it was. So I watched it like six months ago, and I was like, hmm. So my this isn't very good. I so here's the thing. I also haven't watched Session Nine in many many years, but the first time I watched it, I was like, all right, kind of mediocre. Second time I watched it was like in a house with surround sound. And it's definitely a, the audio in that movie, like the audio mixing in that movie is insane if you're watching it in surround sound. But then I went to watch it on regular TV again. I'm like, oh, this movie kind of sucks. I think that it was an effective movie when it first came out. But I just, I mean, I just don't think that it really has held up much anymore. No, people have done it better since. Yeah. And that's, you know, always kind of a disappointment. How about you, Scott? <laughs> I'm going to go with Dr. Giggles. Any excuse? Yeah. All right. So, I'm surprised you didn't. Eh, you know what? If Bruce Abbott was in Dr. Giggles, it would have happened. Let me propose a question to the two, to my two glorious co-hosts. Unless you had something that you all both really, really wanted to talk about that you watched this week. You feel like just getting nerdy about WandaVision for a little bit? Yes, but before well, because we because I that, haven't watched it. Uh, I'll say no. Oh, my God. I want to just choke you out. Listen, I almost watched it, and then I talked to the wrong person. I'm sorry. I was just like, hey, I'm thinking about watching WandaVision. Do I need to watch a bunch of uh, movies for this to make sense? And they were like, they're like, no, not really. And then they rattled off five movies that I needed to watch for it to make sense. And then I said, no, no, I'm not doing this. Okay, well, then, Matt, here, let's do this real quick. I want to give a quick shout out to Rent-A-Pal on Hulu, that movie on Hulu. Okay. With uh, Will Wheaton in it. It, it. Somebody posted it in the group months ago, and it and then Chris from the group messaged me last night and said, hey, it's on Hulu now, and it's awesome. And I was like, yes. So I watched um, two-thirds of it today. I didn't finish it, but I have a feeling that it is as long as they don't completely biff the, the final act, it's definitely going to be in my top 10 for 2021. Uh, it's the first good horror movie I've watched in, the, in 2021, and... Uh, Definitely excited for other people to check it out as well. Nice. Uh, but yes, let's talk about WandaVision. Brian, since you're not going to watch the show anyway, Matt and I are just going to spoil the first three episodes. Is I mean, there's cool? not even yeah. that much to, it's to not necessarily even to spoil. spoil. No. I, the reason I want to talk about WandaVision, honestly, is about a status that I saw someone post on Facebook that made me infuriated. Uh, and I want to tell you the the quote. The person said... It takes a lot to make you... Oh, I know. The person said, all right, three episodes in and I'm done with WandaVision. I signed up for high art sci-fi, not shitty sitcoms. And if you're watching WandaVision and not seeing it for high art sci-fi, then I don't know what the fuck you're watching. If you're not realizing that, like, yeah, they're in a shitty sitcom and nobody wants to be there but Wanda and that's why it's so horrifying and so deep in the sci-fi, then, like, 
you obviously don't know science fiction beyond like, well, where's the Star Wars monsters? They're like, like Black Mirror is not really that's what sci-fi. I mean. It's literally you Marvel know, it's presents Black Mirror. Black Mirror yeah. Oh my god, it's yeah. so good. And Brian, I don't know who told you not to watch it, but the way that I know you loved watching old Nick at Night shows, like it is, it is going to be your favorite Marvel production. Yeah, the first episode is Dick Van Dyke. The second episode is Bewitched. The third episode is Brady Bunch. I think the next episode is going to be um, not Full House. What was the eighties to come? Uh, I don't know. I know that it's supposed to get us all the way up to like Modern Family. Like one episode is going to be designed like the show Modern Family. Oh, cool! I didn't know that. Yeah, one. like it's supposed to go throughout like the entire history of sitcom television. Family sitcoms, yeah. like. So it's like, that's awesome. Like, that's, I, I legitimate, and it's tough to say this because I feel like every time you see a new Marvel thing, you can say this, but I genuinely think this is going to be my favorite Marvel production. Like, it's just, it hits all of the Matt Kelly check boxes for me of like, it's weird, it's funny, but it's like that cheesy funny. Like, it, it has yeah. that nostalgia to it. But it is, I, I am so on board for it. Yeah, I mean, the person didn't say it was bad. They just said that it would require you to do some work. And so you're like, no, thanks. <laughs> and I, because I've, they're always lies. You yeah. guys are all liars. You're like, <laughs> you have, you have to watch Doctor Strange to understand this movie. So then I watched the entire Doctor Strange and then I watched the next movie. And for like five seconds, the guy's like, oh, excuse me. My name's Doctor Strange. Uh, just passing through. And I'm like, I didn't need to see that whole movie to get this five minute reference. Well, just here, watch the how trailer. about this? You can just ask me. Watch whatever That's you want true. and ask, like, text me and be like, hey, Scott, what's the backstory? And I will write you a novel about the characters. Yeah. I will give you two two parts of it. The first part is going to be the actual comic character, and then the other half is going to be the MCU character, and then you don't have to do the work. I'll do the work for you. Well, I already or, do it for or, this podcast. I mean, I mean, if you want to save everybody time, this is as good as time as any to say that uh, our friends at Geek History Lesson just dropped an hour-long breakdown of the entire history of vision so that you can better nice. understand the character and all of the comic book storylines that WandaVision is inspired by. Yeah. But I mean, they've said it on Bingetown, they've said it on Geekscape, and they've said it on Geek History Lesson, and we're about to say it on Horror Movie Night. It's not any, even anything new at this point. We are getting set up for Assemble, uh, Avengers Disassemble and House of M. That is so much where the storylines are being pulled from at this point that it's like, I'm just excited for it. <laughs> like, I'm just yeah. ready. Oh, but it's cool because it's going to be reverse House of M. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> like that, that fucking meme you sent me that was like, no more mutants. Scribble, scribble. No, more mutants. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very excited for this. Brian, real quick, though, uh, uh -huh. to, to, to loop you back into our podcast, did you watch Night Stalker yet? Yeah. Um, dude, there's just something about documentaries these days that, that A, make it so intimidating for me because, like, Night Stalker and McMillions are, like, the same thing for me in the sense it's, like, not only is it a good story as it is, I just feel like they were both edited so fucking well. Oh, yeah. Well, like, the editing of, of Night Soccer is insane. Well, and yeah. someone pointed out, which I guess I didn't think about at the time that I was watching it, but, like, someone was like, you know what makes Night Soccer great is that it's a documentary about the victims and the people that caught the killer instead of something that's just glorifying the killer for forty episodes. For four, and that's episodes. that's all I want. That's yeah. all I want. That's why the Ted Bundy tapes didn't do it for me. Why Zodiac is one of my favorite movies. <laughs> like, there's just something. Golden State Killer was my favorite serial killer because like every piece of information about those things was just like really hyper focused on people trying to figure out who it is, and it's so much better to me. 
yeah. than anything else. No, Night Stalker um, was fin- like that was one of those ones where I rocked through that shit so quickly. <laughs> like, yeah, we yeah, finished man. it in two nights. Megan was like, "Do you want to watch this?" I was like, "I mean, if you do." And then we were both captivated, and we wasted two full nights like not doing anything except for just watching with our with slack jaws being like, "Holy fuck, this really happened!" It's like I knew about the Night Stalker, but I didn't know about the Night Stalker. Yeah, and I, that's yeah. the thing. Like, I walked away from. It, I was like, "Yo, that dude." And and I think that that's like, I'd be hard pressed to find a, a serial killer doc that doesn't make it seem like that particular serial killer was the most fucked up of them all. Like that's usually the angle from every single I one don't of them. Know, man. But this uh, one, I really walked me. away from feeling like, no, this guy's yeah. probably the most fucked up one of them all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Brian, you're our expert on it. I would say BTK for me, just because of the amount of kids involved. You know, like oh, because Ramirez he, didn't kill kids; he just raped them. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I honestly don't know if that's worse, though. Yeah, there's something so weird about it, though. Like, because Jade was like asking me when I was watching it, she was like, "Do you do you think that people are born serial killers, or do you think they're made that way?" And then told me to stop talking because I went into like this too deep <laughs> of a rant. Uh, because like I just I really feel like you need you need both the answer is both yeah right because there aren't many serial killers that don't have a traumatic childhood but there are many many people that do have a traumatic childhood that go on to live normal lives I think that it's always the argument I always think of the the tales from the crypt comic book argument that someone wrote an article in the 50s that said that the Tales from the Crypt comic books were turning kids into juvenile delinquents. And his evidence for it was that every juvenile delinquent that he had to inter- interact with as a like psychologist all loved Tales from the Crypt comic books. But like the flip side was that the Tales from the Crypt comic books were the most popular comic books amongst all of the kids. So it's like you can't say that the comic books are turning every kid every kid into a juvenile delinquent because every juvenile delinquent you interact with reads that comic book. Yeah, and that's yeah. not accurate. I read Archie comics as a kid and I had no friends. So <laughs> I think that that actually is a direct correlation because who wants to hang out with a kid reading Archie comics? You loser. This is why you can't watch WandaVision is instead of reading Marvel comics like everybody else, you're like, I want to see what Jughead's up to. <laughs> well, you know He's in a big dude? sandwich. Market, Marvel needs to market better. I'm sorry. You know, you know who's a great market? company that has high quality comics bazooka joe you want me to read your shit give me a piece of gum yeah man bazooka joe i i think it was very recently that i realized that i kept mistaking archie characters as bazooka joe characters because i'm like doesn't jug have usually have his turtleneck pulled up to his nose yeah, that's, that's bazooka joe dude that's bj <laughs> All right, do we have anything else we want to say? This was a tangent-filled episode, but I'm, I'm content with it. You know what, guys? You heard us make a couple mentions of it early on that this movie is a direct ripoff of Friday the 13th, Part 3, The Dream Warriors. Matt, Matt, Nightmare on Elm Street. What did I say? You said Friday the 13th, so you oh might want to say God. that again. Yeah, let me try that over it. again. Dear God. God. All right, this guys. This is why we get bad reviews. Yeah. We know nothing. <laughs> All right, guys, so that is our talk about (laughs) bad dreams, which, uh, you know, we've made hints to is a painfully obvious ripoff of Nightmare on Elm Street (laughs) 
part three, the Dream Warriors. I'm so in my head Please now. Please don't edit. Please don't edit this. Because I pictured that pause. I pictured you putting your head down, closing your eyes, and taking a deep breath, and then starting over. That is 100% what happened. Uh, but yeah, so go over to our Patreon. Let it listen to us talk about the uh, some other blatant ripoffs that we've seen in our lives in movies. Uh, and then... Come on back to the main feed where we'll have another episode of Horror Movie Night just in time for the season of love. Uh, I, do, I, I know that you kind of skipped over what did we watch because we talked about WandaVision, but I do need to forewarn our the listeners so they don't have the same fate that I do. Me and my wife decided since we had COVID that we were going to watch that COVID movie, Songbird, and the only way to watch it is to spend $15 and don't do that. Uh, it's not a good movie. It's not worth the money, and it was. Yeah, I don't like that they're making COVID. Quickly. I don't like that we have COVID movies already during. Yeah, COVID. this is news to me, and I don't even want to delve into what this is. Yeah, it's mutated, airborne, and kills you pretty quickly. It's. I don't. I don't think they really thought it out. I think it was written <laughs> as they go. I can't even put it in a genre. You know, it's like Fast and the Furious. It's like, is it an action movie? But no. You know? <laughs> All right. Well, great job not selling the movie that you don't want people to watch. So I think you did a good job there. Awesome. Uh, but yes, we will be back next week with another episode of Horror Movie Night. Hey Geekscapists, with Valentine's Day around the corner, we've decided to hook you up. Geekscape has partnered with the video dating app Filter Off to bring you a free and fun video speed dating event on Saturday, February 13th. To take part, all you've got to do is download the Filter Off dating app to your smartphone. Find the Geekscape event in RSVP with the code GEEKSLOVE2. That's T-O-O, because we do love to. You don't have to wait until Valentine's to use the app either. It's fun and free, and Matt Kelly has already racked up a ton of dates on it, so what have you got to lose? Download Filter Off, and we'll see you on February 13th. Geekscape forever. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. Are you a fan of young adult novels? Have you ever wondered the stories behind the people who wrote your favorite young adult novels? Then join author Eric J. Brown and Alyssa Lube of Netflix's The Circle every other Tuesday on YAOK. Available on all podcasting apps. Woo! We're here to entertain you we'll sing your songs hey there 
Are you obsessed with things that happened before your time? Well, if you are, join me, the host of Before My Time, Gelsey Laurie, to discuss the wonders of the yesteryears that we weren't around to enjoy ourselves. You can find us on all podcast platforms. Soon you'll be swaying, so come on, sing along. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.